Tara Reid worked for Joe Biden back in the early 1990s, and something awful happened, she says, between her and Joe. She was assaulted, uh, and she made her claims known, but very few in the mainstream media uh, investigated or looked into it. Uh, she is a survivor in my book. Uh, Tara Reid's been a guest on my Newsmax show a couple of times, and now she's uh, joining us on WABC. Tara Reid, thank you. How are you? I'm good this morning. Thank you so much for having me. You How bet. You? you bet, Tara. You know, we talked last night, and look, we can go into it right now. Maybe we should, just very briefly, and you, you can say as much or as little as you like. But let's go back to what was your job for Joe Biden, and if you could just tell us in your own words what happened. How did it, how did things uh, you know how did things fall apart there? Well, I, I was a Democrat um, for most of my adult life, and um, I worked as an intern for Leon Panetta, who was at that time a congressman. Um, before I got into politics, I was an actress and a model. I was uh, a dancer in the movie La Bamba. And I had decided I wanted to go into politics. And I had hoped, I had aspirations of even running for office someday. So I was so excited to work for Joe Biden, who at the time I admired. And he was chairman of the judiciary and very powerful. Then when I went to work for him, immediately I saw the image was not the reality. And there were a lot of people covering for his behavior already. And he would do things like put his hands on my shoulders during a meeting and underneath my hair and massage my neck. It was weird. and It was strange. But then, you know, I there came a point where he had asked because he liked my legs or something. And he told that to staff that he wanted me to serve drinks at an event. And I was really offended because I was very serious with my career. I wanted to, to actually be mentored and work Um you know, and maybe run for office. And so that's why it was, you know, offensive to me. And then, of course, there's the infamous day in 1993 when he, I was asked to bring him his gym bag and he sexually assaulted me and in the Capitol. And I, and, you know, I tried to come forward, um, not to the media, but going through protocol and complain. I had filed a sexual harassment report a written one and was hoping to go further. My mother at the time was, you know, wanting me to um, report the sexual assault to the police. It was that serious. And um, I did not listen to her advice at the time. Um, and but I did follow through with this with the written sexual harassment. And then I was told by Evelyn Lieberman was the press secretary. It was one of her assistant press secretaries. And he said, Tara, if you um, go forward with this, we will effing destroy you. And I was in my 20s. So that was a very scary thing. And they silenced me. And so then when the other women came forward in 2019, I thought I would have that sort of protection coming forward. And I felt it was my duty as an American to come forward and to my daughter and to the new generation coming forward about what he was really like. And um, at that time, it wasn't even very clear he was actually going to run, be a candidate for president, you know, or, or drop out or what. And so I did. And I came forward and then immediately got called a Russian agent. And I tried to tell the whole history of Joe Biden. Finally, um, it was very, very suppressed. But then when some independent media brought it forward, Katie Helper Show and yeah. um, some others and Fox 
News brought it forward as well, and, you know, other outlets tried. Um, then finally, the New York Times did and some of the legacy media, but then they immediately just started attacking and discrediting me, which, as your listeners may know, has been exposed as corruption because um, Joe Biden paid one of the founders of Time's Up $2.2 million, according to FEC records, to silent stories like the Hunter Biden story, like my story about Joe Biden that would look bad and and paid a lot of money for it to be silenced in the media. And I was one of the casualties of that fallout. So, so as we move forward, yeah. you know, yeah, that's what I've experienced. So, all right, where are you right now? Like, what's going on? You you told your story. Some people mm-hmm. listened, a lot didn't, and you mentioned they, they tried to destroy you. They didn't. You're alive and well, and you've got a podcast and a book. Uh, I mean, what's next? What would you like to accomplish? I asked you last – here's the strange – well, that there's that question. And then i got to ask you, because I think I heard on the Katie Halper a, a report that you actually voted for Obama-Biden in 2008, uh, right? You did. You voted for these guys? I voted for back I, like I, like as in the words of Lucy Flores, who was one of you know the people that came forward about Joe Biden. I was a good little Democratic soldier, yeah. and I really believed at the time in Obama. Joe Biden was just on the ticket, but also during that time, I told friends, which has been reported um, about my experience being assaulted. I didn't tell the media, but I told close friends about how upsetting it was. But there was no real mechanism or way to come forward with media. And my daughter was young, and I was afraid, of course, of any repercussions trying to come forward um, or even being believed. And the book I've written, um, Left Out When the Truth Doesn't Fit In, um, really goes over, you know, what um, happened after the aftermath of how I, you know, when I came forward and how I was treated in the media by the corporate media. And then my podcast is called uh, The Politics of Survival. And I'm really moved forward from my story, but I'm trying to lift up other survivor stories, like Amy Frank, who's a whistleblower regarding the military and their response to sexual assault, um, because there's been some problems there. And I just think, you know, as far as um, economically how it's affected me, I haven't made any money off my creative endeavors at all. And I lost my housing. I lost my work, which was an expert witness for domestic violence victims and advocacy work. I lost my career, basically. Um, I lost everything coming forward. So I'm in a rebuilding phase right now. And my hope is in 2022 that one one member of Congress will open an investigation into Joe Biden because there's never been a congressional investigation. I was a U.S. Senate staffer. They need to investigate him because I know more will come forward and I know more information will come forward. There is corroborating evidence. You told a lot of friends. You also uh, – your mother made that phone call and you filed some paperwork you mentioned uh, that that still exists somewhere. You have a hell of a lot more evidence than Christine Blasey Ford and a hell of a lot more evidence than anybody involved in the Chris Noth uh, allegations. And by the way, listen, can I just ask you this because – I don't consider all accusers survivors. I just don't. I mean, you know, intellectually, you know that false accusations are made. I want to tell you, Tara, I believe you, but I don't believe all women. And that's one of the things that turned me up off to Time's Up and Me Too and because that became a catchphrase, you know, uh, believe women. And well, Time's Up has no leg to stand on, right? Their founders 
were on Biden's payroll when I came forward to them. They are a catch and kill for the elite Democrats. They go after Republicans or they'll go after other powerful people that don't have, you know, that don't have a powerful stake in their organization. But they protect the elite Democrats. And what got shown in the AG, the attorney general report, is how diabolical this was. Time's Up was actually talking behind the scenes to Cuomo staff how to discredit Lindsey Boylan using my case as a template. And one of the phrases they said was, we can victim shame on the record. The, you know, and I want people to hear that I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, but, but when you hear the Democratic Party upper staff, a governor of a very powerful state, making statements like that to win at every cost, that's chilling. Well, I want to ask you this because, look, um, we live in New York. We know Governor Cuomo well. <laughs> I was uh, – I kind of wanted Governor Cuomo out because of COVID mismanagement and that crazy book deal he signed. Right. Um, and I understand, yes, they were. your name was bandied about by staffers. But let's take Lindsey Boylan, okay? If, if, if you work with Lindsey Boylan, let's say uh, – not you, but if one works with Lindsey Boylan and they know she has a habit of uh, – you know, being disruptive in the office and being, uh, you know, sexually harassing others, which is alleged to have happened, and uh, perhaps uh, making things up uh, to further her own political career. I mean, if you're a person accused, I actually don't understand how that's off limits. And I'm sorry your name got dragged into it. What happened to you is wrong. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, this is a you're 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 innocent until proven guilty and people you know there's a court of public opinion and as you know you can get canceled if you say the wrong thing or if you're accused of the wrong thing and i do believe that you have a right to have your case heard but i also do believe that those accused have a right to fight back absolutely i agree that you, you that, that the accused should have a right to fight back i've been accused right i was accused of perjury when i came after i came forward and 24 years of prison, and that got shown that I did not commit perjury. But but that's how weaponized accusations can be, right? Um, so let's just, I mean, I'll just talk openly about that because the trolls were just like saying all that. I never lied about my education. I never did all of that. Obviously, you know, that, that's been shown to be, you know, not yeah. true. But it's very frightening to be accused of a crime you didn't commit. And more than frightening, it's destructive to your life. But but when you look statistically, in most cases with sexual assault, only one or two percent are, are false, according to stats, and only one two or two percent even get adjudicated at all, ever, um, which is a really low stat. And that's according to, like, just basic crime. Can, can um, I throw out one other thing? Because I think those yeah. studies have been accurate in the past, but a major monkey wrench has been thrown in the mix a couple of years ago. The okay. financial windfall that has been made, the settlements that we've seen, we've seen women in $30 million at Fox News and all this stuff, you know, we've just seen. Do you think that may have disrupted the system a little bit? Because now none of these things are about courts and cops, you may have noticed. It's all about... Um, you know, the Hollywood Reporter and this website and this tweet, it's all in the court of public opinion, not in the legal realm. It's I'm wondering right. if they're not looking for a payout. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sorry, but I think some of the, you, you can't write checks for millions of dollars in a bunch of different cases and not some people get the message. I might be able to make some money here. Well, I, all I can tell you is that 
from a personal standpoint. I can't speak for other survivors on that note. I'm sad that if, um, you know, sexual assault is being weaponized as a political tool, and that would be, that's wrong. But what I can say is that most of the survivors I know, um, like Amy Frank, who was talked about whistleblow, you know, who whistleblew and testified before the Senate, they, they lose everything coming forward. In fact, she did. She lost her career. She got her credentials taken um, for coming forward about the truth. And in my case, I spent thousands of dollars on lawyers that I didn't have. I'm economically destitute. It, and I'm not exaggerating. I have nothing. I'm, and, oh, yeah, and so a lot of survivors I know, that's the, mostly what happens. So if people are going for a payout, I'm surprised. Um, and it's, I don't know how that works. Um, but it's usually not the case. And more often than not, the sexual assault or sexual harassment is just, it's just silent. Hey, do me a favor. Before we go, Tara, uh, our colleague, uh, uh, Jacqueline Carl, our news anchor, mm-hmm. uh, dropped by. She would, uh, she has a question. Hey, Tara, I've okay. been listening to you, and that was my thought. As a woman, you never want to be that person. I mean, I just don't, it, I think in the, for the most part, you do lose so much and you don't know what the outcome is going to be coming forward. I think many don't for that reason. So the mm-hmm. ones that do, I haven't really seen that be an easy road for anybody. No, you're right. Um, and I think, too, we're, we're kind of leaving out men. There are men who have been sexually harassed or assaulted that don't get their stories heard at all or don't get any justice. And, um, you know, I just want to say it's, it's, it's this world where many things are true at once. Like, for instance, I know I have so many good men in my life. My brothers are good men. Um, and I've had really nice, wonderful boyfriends, not so great ex-husbands. <laughs> but, I mean, I've had, you know, most of the men, and I know, I'd say 90%, and Amy Frank says that too, would never do this. Um, would never do sexual assault or sexual harassment. So you're talking about a small percentage of men that tend to be, um, you know, asserting their power in a corrupt way. In Joe Biden's case, he literally, I just think he's a megalomaniac. That's my opinion. And he, I was not, you know, not anything important to him. I was simply a dopamine rush for that day. Right. He was trying to get me to do something. I didn't do it. But that shouldn't have meant the end of my career. Tara, it should not have. And but the good news is, I mean, I know it's tough, but uh, I, this yeah. is not the end. And you got this great podcast, "The Politics of Survival," with Tara mm-hmm. Reed. Wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, Tara, I appreciate you coming on. We have a bit more time on the radio, and uh, to be continued. And Tara Reed, of course, you can follow her on on social media. And let me just make sure we get your. Uh, it's Reed Alexandra, R E A D E. Alexandra uh, on Twitter, very active there. And uh, Tara Reed, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas indeed. Okay. Wow. Enjoyed that. Very interesting. Thank you, Jacqueline. We'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.